everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Sarah. Hey, guys. So, uh, this week we are actually doing double duty because we did Dunkirk, right? Uh, but we're also doing a review of Season 1 for Stranger Things. We did uh, the first episode a while Eons back, ago. actually, uh, and in fact, I'm reposting that um episode one we had planned uh if you would actually listen to that episode we had planned on you know getting through season one a long time ago but uh yeah a lot of things got in the way uh, other podcast kind of uh took on kind of i guess more importance really uh, american gods being one of them and it just pushed stranger things out of the way unfortunately as much as we love <laughs> love this show uh and it, it kind of is side by side with american gods hannibal kind of love for me so um but as much as i love the show we just did not have time at the time to really you know finish off season one but now that american gods is down uh in the hiatus for between season one and season two we are going to take that time and uh start getting these episodes out because we want to have this full season one review done by the time season two starts. So Sarah, um, you're pretty excited for this. Uh, you loved stranger things. And I think you probably mentioned that on more than one occasion when we did our first episode. (laughs) Yes. Stranger things. I mean, man, it came out with a force. And I remember you like several weeks were just like, you need to watch this, go watch this. What are you doing with your life? (laughs) That isn't watching stranger things. And then I caved and I finally watched it. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing that's Netflix has ever shown me (laughs) and just fell in love. I mean, what a crazy sensation. This came out so like with such a force, like everyone was just any age you are, this is a, great show like you can be older and this is super nostalgic for you or even if you're a teenager and you can just be like man this is so nerdy and cool i love it (laughs) and not know like yeah this is this is the 80s yeah this is this was life (laughs) this that was this was pre-internet you know pre pre pre-cell phone you know now everyone's got a cell phone you can call people and you know back then it's like you stopped by to visit you called someone's house you know or you stopped by to see if they were there you know if they weren't if they weren't there then unless somebody knew where they were at you you just kind of had to wait until they got home now if you now you can just call their cell phone you know, yep. so it's a different, different era, uh, pre-internet. Uh, if you didn't know something, you can just go to Google and type in, what is this? Or, you know, it's like you had to, to either go to a library, you had to look it up an encyclopedia, you had to ask parents or people that might know. But I mean, that's information did not, information did not flow out like it does today which is ridiculous how much information is out there. But back then it was just a different time, a simpler time, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big but time. anyway, and there's, um, there's so much information out here and in this day and age, but yet it seems to be that people are much less smarter than they were back in uh, the good old days. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you know, season one, episode two, this, uh, of course, was directed by the Duffer Brothers, who were also the writers and creators of Stranger Things. Uh, this episode two is titled The Weirdo on Maple Street. 
um, of course, this is a uh, uh, allusion to the night a nightmare on Elm Street, which of course, if you don't know what that is, I don't know. Uh, you should just stop talking and uh, to anybody. Wow, you're so rude. Yeah, just stop talking. Just don't exist. That like like <laughs> stop doing what you're doing because um, you need to go sit down and watch that uh, movie or the <laughs> series of movies even. Uh, of I'm course, probably just gonna keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's probably for the best. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's uh, based on um, A Nightmare on Elm Street starring Freddy Krueger. So, of course, this is uh, The Weirdo on Maple Street. Um, yeah, so let's let's uh, let's kind of dive right in here and um, start off with the kids. Right, the kids are are now in Mike's basement. If we get if you look at the end of the first episode, it ended with them out in the, fo- the forest. It was it was raining, pouring down rain. They heard a noise. Uh, Mike had a flashlight in his hand. He kind of spun around a couple of different times, and then boom, spun, spins around after he hears a noise, and there is um, Eleven, uh, who is her just the latest flooding her face, and she's cold and she's wet, and so they take her home. Um, First of all, I like the jump here. We don't have to see them, you know, making their way through Sneaky the woods Karen. and walking home and all this stuff. That, that's unimportant. Uh, the important thing is to get to this scene, which is somehow, some way, they got her in the house, down in the, the basement, and now she's sitting on the couch. She's shivering. She's cold. And the kids are standing in front of her. And it's just hilarious. Dustin, of course, thinks she's deaf and tries to... <laughs> Just smacks slaps his, at her. <laughs> like, oh, nope, nope, she's not deaf. Um, no, no and, she's not. <laughs> and Mike, being the most practical one out of the group, is like, no, she's not. She's not deaf. Uh, she doesn't have cancer. Uh, she's just scared and cold. And so he runs over, grabs some clothes, brings it back to her. She kind of rubs her face against them in a very cute, you know, gesture. Like someone who probably hasn't ever felt something so comfortable in her life is these, mm-hmm. these clothes. And uh, gets up and tries to take her shirt off because, you know, well, we'll find out eventually why. But uh, tries to undress there. The kids spin around. They're, like, totally horrified. (laughs) Totally horrified that a girl could be getting, you know, naked in front of them. It's, like, terrible. Um, And so Mike uh, explains to her what privacy means and and takes her to the bathroom tries to close the door she doesn't want it closed because well we don't know why but she doesn't want it closed and uh so they leave it over in a crack and uh it's just it it, look it's a it's a brilliant scene it really is uh but rather than just kind of explain it all i'm gonna actually play the clip here so here's the clip and we'll talk about it afterwards is there a number we can call for your parents with your hair you have cancer did he run away are you in some kind of trouble? Is that blood? Stop it! You're freaking her out! She's freaking me out! I bet she's deaf. Not deaf. Alright, that's enough, alright? She's just scared and cold. Here, these are clean, okay? Over there, that's the bathroom. Privacy. Get it?
You don't want to close? No. Oh, so you can speak. Okay. Well, um, how about we just keep the door just like this? Is that better? Yes. This is mental. At least you can talk. She said no and yes. Your three-year-old sister says more. She tried to get naked. Something seriously wrong with her. Like, wrong in the head. She just went like... I bet she escaped from Pinhurst. From where? The nuthouse in Curly County. You got a lot of family there? Bite me. Seriously, though, think about it. That would explain her shaved hair and why she's so crazy. Why she went like... She's an escapee is the point. She's probably a psycho. Like Michael Myers. Exactly! We should have never brought her here. So you just wanted to leave her out in that storm? Yes, we went out to find Will, not another problem. I think we should tell your mom. I second that. Who's crazy now? How was that crazy? Because we weren't supposed to be out tonight, remember? So? So if I tell my mom and she tells your mom and your mom... Oh, man. Our houses become Alcatraz. Exactly. We'll never find Will. All right, here's the plan. She sleeps here tonight. You're letting a girl... Just listen. In the morning, she sneaks around my house, goes to the front door, and rings my doorbell. My mom will answer and know exactly what to do. So send her back to Penhurst, wherever she comes from. We'll be totally in the clear. And tomorrow night, we go back out. And this time, we find Will. All right, Sarah, so what did you think of the, about the clip, you know, uh, listening to it, as opposed to me just describing it? But the clip really is just amazing, like the opening to this episode. Yeah, just, like, I like one of my favorite parts is the boys just, like, Dustin repeatedly just, like, making the lifting shirt motion. She just, like, mm. <laughs> uh, that's a great scene. Um, but Mike's such a great character. <laughs> He's definitely the most level-headed and practical and kind to Eleven and sympathetic to, he can see, like, she's, like, hurting or scared and just kind of... You know, gives her her space while the other guys are just like, want to be in her face. And like, where the hell are you from? And yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, I, I really love it. Uh, it's it's just one of those scenes that is done with such care and craft, I think, in this show. Because, you know, giving credit to the Duffer Brothers for being, being able to write consistently and with such honesty and believability the uh, viewpoints of uh, a bunch of 12 year olds, you know, uh -huh. uh, because I think as we get to be adults, it's, it's harder to kind of remember what it's like to be 12 sometimes. Um, and for them to be able to do that so seemingly so easily is uh, a testament to their skills. I think as a writer to understanding the material that they're putting out there, um, because if the kids were to come off as many adults, nobody would believe it. I mean, they have to be smart, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But they also have to be 12-year-olds, you know, and, yeah, exactly. and you have to believe that what they're saying is is honest and true. And so it really makes sense here. And each one of the kids has got a distinct personality. And, and I, I think, you know, I understand Caleb's mistrust. Um, I love Dustin and his... Well, he's just adorable, you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I like the character of Mike and no, that's not because we share the same name. Um, it's, <laughs> I think it's it is. It, it's because I, I like his level headedness. 
Um, he he's clearly the leader, I think, in this group. As much as Dust, or as much as um, Caleb is uh, forceful in his own personality, I think Mike is the the more sensible one out of all three. His you know, head is like- much more like well rounded in his thinking and uh, his ability to be able to empathize and perceive other people's emotions. Right, exactly. He's more mature, I think, in a cer- in certain respects uh, at, at this point than maybe the other two are. But uh, yeah, so they kind of discuss, obviously, the pros and cons of Eleven being there and, and what their options are. Mike ultimately says, I'm going to, you know, she's going to stay here the night and then we're going to you know, have this plan where she's going to go around the door to the front door in the morning. She's going to knock on it. My mom will know what to do. And I love that response because when it you're a, a kid, kid mothers, fathers, parents, they know how to solve every problem. Like the idea that your mom just doesn't have an answer for something is just unthinkable. So I love that little line there because again, it illustrates the the thought processes of a 12 year old so but uh yeah anyway so they they leave caleb and dustin head out upstairs and mike is giving 11 he's he's crafted this nice little den for her (laughs) um it's like i don't know what a tent basically fort you know yeah fort and he's giving her blankets and pillow and things to lay on sleep under and there's this scene here which is it's it's so uh it's so adorable i I don't know how else to describe the scene between mike at 11 but i think we can all agree it it's it feels like these two characters are already coming together right i mean that you can already see there's like this sweet relationship here between these two characters like he appears to even early this early on appears to be making sure that she's safe and okay he's giving her a place to stay um he's talking to her um it's just great so anyway here here's the scene hey um i never asked your name is that real Sorry, I've just never seen a kid with a tattoo before. What's it mean? Eleven. That's your name? Eleven. Okay. Um, well, my name's Mike, short for Michael. Maybe we can call you L, short for Eleven. Um, well, okay. Night, L.
All right, Sarah, what are your thoughts on, on this scene here? It's great. It just shows like how caring Mike can be and that he, while the other guys are um, more curious about her, like Mike is still very curious, but he, it's not, most important to him what's most important is that she you know he can see that she's scared and you know right now she just needs you know to be safe and to be somewhere that you know she's not scared so that's what he really focuses on and i think that's great it's well done um yeah great scene yeah i, I love this because you know first he sees the the tattoo and He's just astounded that a, that a kid has a tattoo, you know, <laughs> uh, which is understandable. But uh, it, it's like he talks to her knowing that she is someone who's just scared and needs help. And so he doesn't treat her with any kind of disdain. There's real empathy. You know, Mike, he, Mike is, he seems like a very empathetic character, you know. And uh, when he, he tells her good night and she says, good night, Mike, it's like this, just this wonderful, like, it's almost like she's progressed a little bit already, you know, um, yes. in her trust for anybody. Because first of all, he's treating her with kindness and which is something we, we come to learn uh, isn't something she's been exposed to much in her life. So for someone to be kind to her in any way, it's like she, like Benny, for instance, um, you know, we saw how, well, we saw how that worked out, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, anybody that shows her kindness, it's like this inherent, like, I want to trust you. I, I want you to, I want to make, I want to feel better, you know? And so this, this is like this lovely little scene here, which I think is just a, a wonderful jumping off point for, you know, her journey forward and, and Mike's journey and, and help maybe helping her. Uh, so yeah, I really like that a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do, do you think, looking at this scene, like, she's laying there, she's crying, and the, the thunder's going, she's shaking, um, it, you feel so bad for her, you know, watching her just lay there, and it's a combination, I think, of a lot of things, and I don't want to allude to much, but there's a lot going on here, and it's, it's partly it's because there's a storm, and she's alone, kind of, and she's away from places that she's familiar familiar with uh which we come to learn later in this episode but there's a lot going on here in that in that 10 15 seconds that we see on screen after mike leaves yeah completely. she even looks like she's lonely like because she, she knows that uh no one's around her that she's familiar with so she, i bet for the first time she feels like you know really lonely that there's not like somebody at least around like i'm sure she's always heard footsteps go by or sounds around her i'm sure she's always heard stuff but now it's like she's in a foreign place that's really quiet and who knows what's going to happen the next day she's just fearful and lonely yeah uh so then we uh we go into the the title sequence for the show of course and then we come out of it and we have joyce and um Jonathan, Joyce, of course, is is just going out of her mind, frantic. Uh, she needs Jonathan to go pick up uh, Xerox copies, but she's totally frazzled, understandably. Uh, Hopper comes and he knocks on the door, right? Um, yeah, this is great acting for both of them, just because um, 
just the way she can be just so panicked and their discussions are just fantastic. Uh, I guess he'd been out like all night and for a good six hours she's been waiting to hear back from him and I love the acting. Winona is just so good. (laughs) (laughs) We missed her so much. Right. Um, So anyway, uh, you know, we have uh, you know, him trying to reassure her, but she points out the phone. She's like, isn't that weird? And he's like, yeah, it's weird, but you know, whatever. He's not freaked out by it why would he be uh and then he he tries to dismiss her her assumption that she heard her son's voice on the phone and that's when she says you know i know my own son's voice once you know your own daughter's voice you know like and it's something we we come to learn about hopper is he's dealing with a lot of personal grief and tragedy in his life um, you can see in the moment that, that she says this, she, she, it's a, it's a below the belt comment. I understand where mm-hmm. she's coming from, but man, you just, you just hit a place you shouldn't have even struck. And yeah. he takes a minute to walk over to the corner of the room and says, uh, he asks about Lonnie. She's like, you know, no, I haven't seen him. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to go talk to him. He heads out the door. Jonathan chases after him, tries to convince Hopper that, you know, that he can can go talk to Lonnie himself. That you know he he can he can help because if if uh, Will finds out because at this point obviously they just think Will's missing. He, well, he is, but he's he's the thing. He thinks that if Will finds out that he's in trouble, he'll he'll hide. And Hopper's like, I'm good at finding. You know, stay with your mother. Also, Hopper is popping some pills, and so. Again, we understand just from some of these little things here that Hopper's dealing with a lot in his life. So much so that he's, you know, abusing probably some medication or drugs or something to kind of help him get through the day, you know? Yeah, and the way he says to cops are good at finding, he is just determined. Like, this, you can see that he's invested already in this. He obviously cares about what, it's a small town, he cares about what happens to Will and cares about what's going to happen to uh, Joyce if Will doesn't come back. Uh, so he's very invested and determined to find Will, and you can definitely see it. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, you know, he's a cop, but if he feels like he's been on autopilot for a long time, for, for a while. Um but I feel like we'll be see we'll see him get more engaged. I think as time goes on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so so then we have Mike making ego ego waffles. He starts cramming the food down his mouth down his throat. Basically, his sister thinks it's disgusting. He asks her if she got any studying done last night. Uh, she replies, yeah. And then he, he pounces on that and says, uh, what would you use your test on again? Human anatomy? Because, of course, you know. Brothers uh, and she, sisters snipe at each other. Well, you know, he, he saw the visitor, you know, she was getting last night. Uh, so, yeah. Not, you know, he has a little dirt on her, basically. Yeah, he's got some leverage to hold on her. So then Mike goes downstairs. He's made a little extra food, and he gives the ego to um, Eleven, who he calls, he deems now 
Her name is L, short for Eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he kind of hashes out the plan about her going around the front to get help from his mom. She says no, she doesn't want to. And something in her eyes, something in the, the way she's responding makes him realize immediately that she's in trouble. And he, he asks if there are people after her, bad people, or, or well... I think he's okay, people and then bad people. And then, then he, she holds, you know, the signal, the gun to the head and then points it to him and asks him if he understands and really bad people. Yeah. It's really, really bad people. So this, I think even increases his empathy and his, the feeling like he needs to help protect her in some way, you know, uh, now that he's, discovered the fact there are actually bad bad people after her you know somebody that wants to hurt her uh so i i i gotta i gotta say uh, you know uh millie bobby brown's acting in this in this scene is just phenomenal um she makes it carry weight in the action actions that she's portraying like she's not just like you know comically like you know, going against your head, like, yeah, they're going to kill me if they find me. It's like, it's dead freaking serious that they, if they find me, uh, or if they find anyone with me, they're going to kill you. (laughs) Right. Her eyes say so much. There's a gravitas to her acting, I think, which belies her age. Um, it's, it's just, it's hard to describe, you know, there are people that are naturally gifted at, basketball or football or whatever chess uh you know pick something there are people out there that can just or piano like it's like almost like they sit down at a piano and they can just play like somehow they do that it's like they, they gravitate to that in a way which is almost pretty nat- like pretty naturally gifted and it's just insane to see people like that and but then there are some people that i think that are like that with with acting where they can just do it it just it's like it comes naturally to them it's like a like a fish in water kind of thing you know where it's like she's good with speaking with her eyes right and that's that's the hardest thing body language and using your eyes to convey is what the best part of acting, you know, if you can do that, you're going to be getting a lot of jobs for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So, this is hope she continues to get a lot of jobs. And I, I, I don't think that'll be a problem, you know? Yeah, no kidding. So uh, after this, uh, Mike's mom yells at him and time to leave. And so he runs upstairs. He tells uh, Al um, he's got to go. And then we jump to... Um, Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, white, the white-haired man. Uh, oh, um, his name? oh, God! How do I not remember this? Matthew Modine. Brennan. Brenner. 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 That's it. Yes. Uh, he overhears the phone call from Joyce. Uh, that that she when she uh, heard the voice, heard her son's voice. She called and told them that uh, that she, you know Hop needed to come by right away. Uh, that he heard his voice. So then we jump to the search for Will. Everyone's out in mass, whether it's people, the police, all of them, they're all looking for Will. And uh, we kind of get some information here where maybe Joyce and Hopper have slept together at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. like the other cops are just kind of making odd remarks about, you know, 
maybe that he slept with, uh, they used to sleep together, and then, like, her kid's missing. He has some, like, taste. Like, is it a yes? <laughs> like, we can just kind of deduce that, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, then we jump to the school where Barb and Nancy get invited to a party. Right, so it turns out that Mike's parents are away for the weekend, and uh, because of that, of course, in being a teenager, it's time to have a party. Uh, I will say, based on the details in this scene, they actually do show some restraint because they could have just like I would have expected when there was a party, like okay, it's going to be like a hundred people at this party, but instead, it's actually just going to be you know Mike and you know his it's not Mike is it that or, guy's name not Mike up. God, what is it? it's been so long. Yeah. Uh, right. Steve? 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 Sorry, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I don't know why I keep kept saying Mike. Because um, everyone in your world is Mike. <laughs> uh, well, you know so many Mikes. Yeah, that, well, that, that's, that, that's true. <laughs> um, no doubt. Uh, anyway, so so Steve, yes, Steve. Steve, 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 gotta remember that. Uh, yeah, and I've watched this show how many times? I'd rather not admit that. Um, anyway, so Steve, Steve's going to have a party, but there's only going to be a few people there that Steve, uh, Barb and Nancy, if they come, and his cronies. I, that's all I can, uh, They're the worst. They are the worst. Uh, seriously, the worst. Um, and so they, they spot Jonathan and, of course, the, the, the girl and his friend make a couple of disparaging remarks uh, about Jonathan. Like they infer that, you know, well, he killed, he killed Will, you know, um, so horrible. And, and so Nancy goes over and talks to Jonathan and, and mentions about how, uh, you know, there's the, she's sorry that everyone's hoping that they'll find him, that, you know, all this, you know, just being somebody who's showing a little empathy and compassion, you know, right. everyone else just standing there looking at him like he's a weirdo. Hence, you know, again, tie into Weirdo on Maple Street, but um, he's not. He's just a concerned brother. But, of course, he doesn't have a lot of money. His family isn't rich, so therefore he's he's trash, basically, right? Yeah, right. Supposedly. They don't really uh, identify with him at all, and he's not on their level, so he's just trash. Ugh, yeah. I hate people like that. Yeah, the worst. But, uh, anyway... Um, so that kind of happens, uh, and then we get, uh, after she, oh, after Nancy, you know, kind of goes back to, to the friends, you, you kind of feel like Nancy's already stepping into the dark side, which is sad, <laughs> you know, because, oh, great, you know, Steve is probably really popular, obviously, but at the same time, it's like, come on, you know, you, you, you don't have to fall in with this guy <laughs> you do so much better than mr gel hair <laughs> that hair is insane that hair it's changes like every now. episode like it's amazing it just gets bigger every episode <laughs> it does it gets bigger every episode it's it's pretty impressive i gotta say but anyway we jump into to caleb and uh, dustin uh mike's not there uh because well mike has decided that he's not going to school he's going to skip that day um, Go hang with Al. Right. <laughs> and, and Dustin is like, he's so worried, like they're going to get busted, but, you know, he doesn't it's think just the way the kids are. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's like, man, girls, you know, the girls stayed over what, you know, they're totally just way over their heads. Like they can't <laughs> cope with the possibilities. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> you okay? I just got a new desk and I haven't really gotten comfortable with it yet. So I just tried to like move my leg and just slammed it up on the desk. Oh, okay. So we'll see. You know, you I'm you okay. suffer. You have, you suffer for the podcast. You you actually <laughs> draw blood. <laughs> Busted a few veins. I'm all good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so anyway, Mike Mike comes out from behind the trees where he's been hiding um, with his bike, and he kind of shows Eleven around. So of course, this bears a lot of resemblance to ET, uh, mm-hmm. and where. Uh, in that movie, uh, um, Elliot shows E.T. around. Um, and so in this scene, it, it's pretty cute. He, he shows uh, 11, you know, there's picture frames up on the on the, the shelf. She sees Nancy, you know, says pretty. That's um, just like the sweetest moment. Like, he, she has no idea, like, what, I, I can't see her having seen another girl or woman really to you know immediately see her and see pretty like and just kind of it's not like a weird feminine thing either it's just that you know she's a young girl who sees someone who's older and mature and pretty and just looks up and thinks that's something she wants to aspire to nothing wrong with that let me ask you a question um because i've heard comments on this particular moment um and i've heard there's been a little controversy surrounding this particular aspect because there's a lot of people that say, okay, you know, how would she even understand the concept of pretty? You know, she doesn't understand what a promise is. She doesn't understand what a friend is. But at the same time, she also understands pretty. I mean, if you look at somebody and you say pretty, you have to understand the concept of what pretty means. Like, it, you have to have some idea of what pretty means. It... it, it and I, I understand people saying, well, you know, look, we have no idea, I guess, what she knows. But at the same time, I can't understand, you know, given where she's grown up, what I assume to be her mostly her, her probably her whole life, really, since she was a baby. Uh, and we don't know that for sure. But I, I'm guessing she's been within this place for a long time. Uh, you would think that, yeah, they're not going to tell her what her friend is. Uh, they don't a promise none of that but also at the same time I can't imagine that they would ever teach her what pretty means so I guess I can understand some people saying that doesn't make a lot of sense anyway what, what's your take on this is it inconsistency is it lazy writing like what is your view on that I kind of feel like it's just this 11 year old kid who has her head shaven every month or so it's not allowed to grow out her hair or wear anything but a like a, a hospital gown and sees this girl with long beautiful hair and gets to wear clothes that makes her you know that compliment her and it, it's immediately striking to her eyes it's it's something different than herself so i think she just kind of sees something she wants long hair being able to be an individual and says pretty yeah, and, and I get that. But I also get people... It's, it's not that aspect that I think people have a problem with. It's just that, that she would even know that word. Because to know that word, she would have to understand what that word means. You know? Um, now, it's possible 
there's, you know, maybe she was given an, a book or a magazine and they explained what it meant, but it, I just, I, under, I understand people's issue. It's a nitpick, but it's one of those things where you try and understand her level of understanding uh, of, of the language. Uh, what, what's her knowledge base? You know, when she, when she doesn't understand something, okay, great. But when she does understand what something else means, how does she, how does she understand what something else means if she doesn't because you can tell she doesn't have a, a massive, you know, grasp of the human language. There's a lot of gaps there, yeah. you know. So it's like, why does she know some words and why doesn't she know other words? If she knows these words, why? You know, like in the setting that she grew up in, I can understand her not getting a lot of other, a lot of words because they only talk yeah. to her in specific things. So anyway, it, it's a little nitpick, but I understand some people having an issue with her understanding it's not that she looks at Nancy and doesn't, you know, like I can understand her seeing a girl and seeing that she's different and wanting to aspire to that. Um, but like if she would have said something like hair or something, <laughs> like it sounds weird, but at the same time I could see her look, like seeing Nancy with all that full head of hair and like, like, you know, using that as kind of like her way of saying pretty without understanding what pretty means. She just sees long hair and sees that as something to, you know, want and desire, yeah. I guess. So anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. So anyway, there's the lazy boy. Mike shows what a lazy boy is. And there's this moment uh, of, of trust that we see where she lets Mike hit the lever and it, you know, flies back and, and she's laughing. And maybe for the first time in her life, she's, she's actually laughing you know is something yeah. good has happened to her uh and then we jump to jonathan going to down the road um a song comes on the radio should i stay or should i go uh, well, doesn't she see the oh no, no no you're right it's a later scene i'm thinking of it's a later scene about the tv yep. yeah you're right <laughs> so uh should i stay or should i go of course takes us back to a flashback where will and, and jonathan are sitting on the bed, they're listening to it, having a conversation. He's such a good brother in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we hear an argument between their parents. Um, and so Jonathan, you know, closes the door and he asks him if he, if he even wants to go with his dad, you know. And he says, you know, sometimes, you know, we go to baseball games. Obviously, Will is not invested in, in baseball or anything, but he just likes, you know, to be able to spend some time. But Jonathan is, takes a different tact. He's like, look, you're different, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Like, like what you like. Don't like what other people like just because they tell you that's what you need to like, you know? Be yourself, yeah, essentially, like- is what he's saying. And kids automatically want to please their parents and earn their parents' approval. And it's also just kind of in their mind, like, that's just what's expected of them. But here comes along Jonathan and says, like, you don't have to do that for him. Like, it's different. Uh, you can just be yourself and focus on, you know, who you want to be. It doesn't matter what he wants you to be. Right. So then we have Joyce going down to where she works. Um, she needs to get an advance. The guy's being kind of a jerk about it, but she's like, look, I never miss, I never miss work. I work holidays. I've never missed a day in how many years I need, I need a phone. I need the money advance. I need that. And I need 
cigarettes, <laughs> you know? So she's like, this is what yeah. I need. You got to give it to me. Uh, you know, stop being a jerk, basically. Yeah, like, seriously, no holidays for, like, ten years? Pfft. Yeah, you better give me two weeks advance. That's kind of crazy. Right. So then we have Brenner and his guys show up at Will's uh, place when everybody's gone. Um, they understand pretty quickly that the monster was here. They kind of get readings, which seem to indicate that uh, you know, the monster was here and, and took Will. So it definitely was responsible in their eyes. Yeah. And they come with all their hazmat suits and just roam around the place like they own it and go and find the goop in the shed and kind of determine that, yeah, it's been here. Right. Uh, so then we get the scene with Mike, um, you know, showing uh, L Yoda and talking about how Yoda can move things with his mind, which is <laughs> and awesome. And how cool he is. Right, and how cool that is. Uh, it reminds me of the Elliot uh, E.T. scene when Elliot shows... Uh, uh, E.T. Uh, Greedo and uh, Pez Dispenser. So it, uh-huh. it, be- it bears such a st- uh, striking resemblance to, to that scene. But then Elle wanders over and looks at a photo of them, like at the science fair, she sees Will and immediately indicates that she knows Will. Like, yeah, points you know, him right out. Right. And that's when uh, Mike hears uh, the uh, car pull up. It's his mom coming home, so he grabs Elle's hand and rushes downstairs. And then, seeing that his mom's coming through the door, they rush back up, and he asks Elle to hide in the closet. Because if she finds Elle up here, they're going to be in so much trouble. And you can tell that, that Eleven doesn't want to go in the closet. She, she doesn't like it. She's apprehensive. But then he tells her that he promises to come get her, and she asks like her she didn't ask what her promise is but she says it in the tone of like what is that and he tells her that it's you know it's something that it can't be broken and um so then she reluctantly goes in he closes the door uh we we see her close her eyes and then it it transitions into uh this scene where Eleven's being dragged down a hallway uh, she it's appears the most to heart-wrenching right, scene. Right. It's such a heart-wrenching scene. Again, uh, Millie Barbie Brown's eyes just tell the story here. And she's being dragged down this hallway. She's thrashing around. Um, she's yelling for Papa. Uh, we see Bretter walk out the hall in the hallway. She's looking back at him. She's yelling. She's She wants to get free. They take her, go around a corner, and they, they throw her into uh, a room they close the door they lock it like a five by five cell like so small it's uh, she's screaming she's pounding the door and the again the facial expressions the emotion on on her face is exceptional and the part where she kind of crawls to the corner and just kind of slides down crying it's just devastating yes so then we jump to mike and his mom um he's you know, like, oh, I have a headache, my throat's scratchy. But his mom, because she's an adult and she's smarter, <laughs> uh, more life experience, um, knows, or at least thinks she knows why he stayed b- behind. It's because Will um, has been missing and she hasn't even thought for a second about what he's going through. And so she tells him that it's okay. He, she just wants him to know that he can come to her and talk to her about anything. And she, he's like, 
yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> you know, like it, he's just <laughs> like whatever. Let's, like whatever ends this conversation is what I need to happen right now. So uh, what happens is uh, Mike goes up there and opens the door, and Eleven is uh, laying on the the bottom of the closet. She's crying. Uh, you can see the tears on her face. Um, because she's been having what essentially I think is basically a PTSD flashback. Yeah, um, definitely trauma-induced, like right. just panic attack. Very much trauma-induced. And the look of relief on her face when Mike opens the door is it's just gut-wrenching. And he asks her if she's okay, and she says, promise. And it's just that just levels you, you know, I think. Yeah, it's so perfect. It's the perfect... Uh, reply um yeah so then we see joyce uh she comes home she plugs in the new the new uh phone into the wall grabs the chair and sits there waiting for a call and then we jump to hopper who's uh, sitting on the edge of this quarry uh and some guys like oh you know uh i know some guy that jumped off from here and you know he was stayed alive you know whatever and like uh, no, that's no. not what it's happens. Like, look, if if you were to jump here, it you would hit that like granite, like concrete. You would die. You you're dead. Yeah. Um, so they get a call, and Hopper shows up, and of course Benny's been killed. So he walks in and sees Benny dead, and uh, yeah, this is pretty devastating. Again, we see Benny, and poor Benny. Uh, right, what too, a good guy. Too much. Um, he just wanted to help, you know, and for his efforts, yep. he gets killed. Yeah, and it's I love uh, Hopper's reactions because you know, it almost he's got the face of like he can't even like I don't think he actually fully is accepting that this has happened, like because he's been in the small town for a long time now and nothing really happens, let alone to someone he sees every day or his friend and, and to see his friend dead it's gotta be just a horrible scene for him mm. yeah i mean it, it is horrible and it's it's nice to see that he actually knows benny you know because it, this affects him you know this is somebody he's shared time with drinks with hung out with talked all that stuff so yeah um it's 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 nice to see i guess nice to see the emotion not just some another person it's like somebody he actually knows um so then we jump to to jonathan he goes to lonnie's house the the less said about this the better i i hate lonnie it's just he goes yeah he goes in then he comes out and slams playfully jonathan up against a wall cynthia of course the the teenage girlfriend or whatever um she's like what's going on here is like they introduces cynthia to jonathan um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, well, just douche all around, <laughs> tries to put blame on Joyce and try to show that he's not the asshole, but he's so the asshole. Yeah, he is. He's exactly, you know, what he looks like. So, uh, the guy, the guys show up, the kids show back up to Mike's house and Mike is explaining to them that Eleven is still here and why, because, uh, because she knows things. She knows from the picture that, that Will went missing. Of course, Caleb is like, you know, tell us where our friend is. And so Caleb, being mistrustful already, just wants to, you know, 
go tell the parents and get this this girl out of their lives basically um dustin appears to be more receptive to the possibility um caleb definitely not uh and so when caleb goes to open up the door um, the door closes by itself and he grabs it tries to open it up again and the door slams hard and <laughs> that's when they turn around and l is says no and there's blood coming out of her nose yeah just yeah, the most iconic badass scene of l is just like that mind-blowing moment of like okay now we understand why she was in a facility <laughs> she's got superpowers <laughs> right so uh we jump back to jonathan and his dad lonnie and you know lonnie just makes a bunch of wisecracks and he's like hey why don't you why don't you call mom when when we went medicine and he was like oh i just thought your mom misplaced him or something you know just showing a total lack of compassion and in any kind of caring that you know a concern i mean that that uh, will is missing so yeah that's Let's move on because I I hate anything to yeah. do with Lonnie. It's it's totally totally unimportant. Uh, so then Hopper goes and visits one of the guys that was uh, in the uh, restaurant with with uh, Benny. Um, he's talking about you know seeing the kid there. Uh, Hopper's uh, immediately perks up because he thinks there's a possibility you know that maybe this kid is Will. Yeah, but he's describing like he's got shaved hair. It, this this definitely did, this little boy did not look like Will in any way. But at the, you know at the same time, Hopper's looking to latch onto anything, and so he just yeah. says, "Hey, look, you know, could it be? It could have been. Is there a possibility?" And he's like, "Sure, I guess. You know, it's possible. You know." So. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you shave a kid's hair and it's going to be the same height as L, so I mean, sure, they could totally look the same. Why not? I mean, he would totally say, like, yeah, it could be. You know, didn't really get a good glimpse of him, anyways. Right. So we let me jump to, to Nancy talking to Barb. She's convincing Barb to just go with her to the party. And, uh, and then we jump to the scene with the kids. Everyone's sitting there eating dinner. Um, Nancy's making her case to going to this, well, to cover for going to this party. She's talking about going to this vigil for Will. Uh, her mom doesn't want her to go out because it's, you know, it's dangerous. Somebody, you know, Will could have been kidnapped. They don't know what's going on. So, um, then we, <laughs> hilariously, we have Eleven coming down the stairs, which I think is hilarious because it causes <laughs> Dustin to really pound the table to get everyone to look at him and not look at Eleven to see the strange girl just walking through the house. Um, so that's great. But it turns out the kids are supposedly, the mom says about them going together, but of course they're like, no, 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 because they've got their own plans, of course. Yeah. Right. Everyone's yeah. going to do their own thing. Yep. So everyone's out looking for Will again. It's now nighttime. It's kind of crazy to me because I usually thought most of this stuff doesn't happen at night. I assumed only during the daytime. But maybe back then the procedures were different and they still would go out at night. But yeah. they're out there looking around and that's when Hopper gets introduced to Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark being their uh, science teacher at school. Yeah, good guy. And, yeah. and so that's when we learned that... Oh, no, no. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm totally flashing back to episode one. Actually, that was episode okay, one. I was just like, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Clark, Mr. Clark does. He finds the, the bit of Eleven's um, hospital gown. 
Yeah. yeah. And into a small tube that looks like it could go, it would fit a child. Right. And if you take that and you follow it all the way, it goes to Hawkins Laboratory. Hawkins, mm-hmm. well, not laboratory, the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, like air, the, faci- uh, the, faci- the facility. It's a facility, yeah. You know, which is where Eleven uh, appears to have come from. So, yeah, it's kind of ominous the way it's shot with all the lights and everything, which, you know, like, okay, yeah, I think this isn't good. <laughs> so then we go to Eleven. She's sitting there looking at this walkie-talkie that she's been using for a while. It's, it keeps flipping the channels and stuff, but it's just static. And Mike brings down some food. The guys follow. And that's when they kind of... Like she looks mistrustful at at Caleb and Dustin, and Mike explains to to the, her that they were just concerned for the friend, um, and that's when she learns what a friend is, uh, because she doesn't understand what a friend is. Um, yeah, and crazy. so I think that's pretty adorable the way mm-hmm. that they explain what friend is, and Caleb's like friend, like she doesn't you serious, like you, she doesn't know what friend is, but she doesn't. You know, um, and of course they don't know why, but it's the fact is, she doesn't know what her friend is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's just way too sheltered. Right. Right. So, um, you know, then we have uh, Barb and Nancy. Um, they are finally got to the party. Uh, of course, Barb just wants to crash. Uh, out of there. Yeah, she doesn't want to go to the party. She doesn't want Nancy to go to the party. She thinks it's stupid. Um, I understand why she thinks it's stupid. Uh, why she thinks she's, uh, well, why she thinks that Nancy's being stupid because she's seeing someone kind of just change right in front of her eyes, you know? Yeah, because Nancy's, you know, she's smart and brainy and, you know, independent thinker and has her own mind and then, Suddenly, this cute boy comes into her life, and she turns into just this cheerleader-esque kind of schoolgirl. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Not my phone ringing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, she turns into this kind of whiny schoolgirl that only cares about just having a boyfriend. All right. Like, she's switching sides. Like, she's she's turning into somebody that she doesn't think she is, you know? Like, this isn't Nancy. Or or maybe it is Nancy, you know? People change. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, you know, we, they get to the house. The door opens up. The, the song, uh, Raising a Little Hell, uh, yeah. is playing in the scene in the background, which is fitting. Um, yes. Yeah. And then we jump to uh, the scene where Hopper, she, he's in bed with this woman, and Sandra is her name, and so he gets up and goes out to the deck, and uh, yeah, here's uh, how this scene plays out. What are you doing? It's freezing. You ever feel cursed? You know, the last person to go missing here was in the summer of 23. Last suicide was a fall of 61. When the last person freeze to death. Hey, come back inside. Warm me up. Just. Just give me a minute out here. 
All right, Sarah, what do you think here? I thought it was great. Um, the fact that he used to be a big town cop and he feels like bad luck's following him around. Uh, that this place, he lists some statistics that this place hasn't seen a suicide in since like the 60s and uh, like the last kidnapping was so and so years ago and now it's all happening at once and he, he kind of feels like he's just a target for bad luck. Uh, and he's trying to have this like deep moment of uh, conversation with this woman and she, she's not really following along and just cares that it's cold out there and wants to go back inside. Uh, but yeah, it's for Hopper. He needs to talk to somebody, you know, just anybody around. And, but it's not happening with that woman. Yeah, yeah, it's that. This is definitely a, a one night fling stand or yeah. whatever, uh, friends with benefits kind of thing. This it definitely doesn't feel like it's um, one of those long term relationships. No, no. Uh, so then we jump to the next scene, which is uh, Eleven sitting at the D and D table, and she's looking at all the figures. And so she picks one up, and it's like a wizard. And so she says, Will. And of course, that's the figure that, that Will used in the D&D game in the first episode. Yep. And um, that, you know, Mike, is, uh, they're all totally like following her. And so Mike asks, you know, where is Will at? And so Will, or oh, Eleven, flips the D&D board upside down. And of course, uh, it's all black on the other side. And then she places Will on that other side and Mike, of course they don't understand, but she says he's hiding and hiding from what? And that's when 11 pulls out the Demogorgon, uh, statue and slams it down. And that <laughs> tells all the kids everything they need to know. Like there is a Demogorgon and the Demogorgon has will. Yeah, bad stuff is happening to Will, <laughs> and yeah, he needs to. They need to find him before the Demogorgon gets him. But I don't think they really understand what the upside down board means just yet. No, but, <laughs> but they're gonna. But they don't need to know. They just need to understand uh, that he's in trouble and that the Demogorgon is after Will or has Will. Yeah. So uh, then it looks like um, Jonathan appears to be going back to the place that Will went missing. So he parks his car, grabs his camera, and runs into the woods. He's taking pictures of different things, hoping maybe to find something, um, some indication of where Will might be. Then we jump to the party scene. Um, everyone's just kind of being crazy. And um, then we have uh, Nancy, the, who is going to shotgun a beer. Um, yeah. Uh, because Jonathan, That's so or, Nancy. Or, well, uh, Steve has already done it, and uh, she—I don't know—maybe she's been practicing. Who knows? Um, but she <laughs> does seems to do it. And um, meanwhile, meanwhile, Barb is looking on totally. This like this is not her. This is not her scene. She's totally uncomfortable. She doesn't want to be there. But Nancy she's smarter than everyone else there. Right, but she tries, you know, she, Nancy tries to include her, of course. And so, you know, he gives, uh, she gives Barb the, the, the knife and the beer, uh, can of beer. And so Barb tries to, to 
you know, cut a hole, ends up cutting her hand pretty badly. Yeah. And, and, but she's, she's angry. You know, she's like, she, like, Nancy says, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. But it's not like a, yeah, I'm fine. But it's, yeah, I'm fine. But I'm really pissed right now because I don't want to be here. We shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. Uh, and now my hand's cut. So she goes into the house to kind of clean herself up. Meanwhile, Jonathan is looking on at the party. He's taking a bunch of pictures. Like a creep. Like a creep. <laughs> and there's no way getting around it. He does take a lot of creep pictures in this scene uh, long after he should have stopped. So this whole, this whole scene's going on and, um, you know, everyone's wet because everyone's been pushed or jumped into the pool. Um, you know, it's just, and he's just taking pictures like, dude, okay. It's just a little creepy. All right. A little bit. He's definitely a bit of an awkward creepo. Correct. Uh, then we jump to Joyce. Uh, she gets a phone call, of course, when she picks up. It's this, the crackly, um, like she hears, she hears, um, Will's voice. She then hears the, the creature. Um, and then, of course, the big spark, it destroys the phone like it did the first one. And she's just, she's so, angry she's slamming the phone down and then uh the lights start coming on and they're flashing and so she follows it back to will's room where the stereo starts up and it's playing should i stay or should i go now Mm -hmm. so she goes in um and then the wall something like the wall like something's coming through the wall like it's bending it it's like the wall's rubber you know, yeah. And so it's she's just scariest yeah. thing. So she screams, and she runs out the door, runs to her car. The whole house is flashing, lighting up. She gets in her car to leave, and then she looks, and like there's like this sudden moment where like there's resolve, there's steel. Like I know I'm not running away. She gets out of her car and walks back to go in the house. Yeah, and then like all the lights stop flickering, and the music comes back on, and that's kind of our our signal for us that, you know, when it's calm and there's just like the music, it, he's safe. Like he's back and he's okay. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, so they go, we go back to the party and they're out of the pool. They have towels and, uh, Nancy is going to go upstairs with Steve because apparently there's other clothes or whatnot back there or up there and and barb is she tries to get nancy to leave like but nancy's totally intent on staying barb knows why she's staying nancy knows why she's staying like without saying it they understand what's going on here and for barb it's a splitting of a friendship because it appears like nancy is intent on going a completely different direction um and it doesn't seem to be sitting well with Barb at all. No, because she's just kind of lowering her standards to be with these people when Barb knows she's as smart as she is. Yeah, it's got to feel bad to just be left behind. <laughs> Poor Barb. Right. Yeah, and she tells Barb to go home, that she'll catch a ride. So then they go upstairs. Uh, Steve is up there. Nancy's in the room. And... Uh, Nancy 
um, takes her shirt off. Apparently, this is the, the, the new bra that she purchased for the occasion. So, again, like, this was going to happen pretty much. Um, she kind of planned for it. Jonathan is still taking creepy pictures. Um, yeah. You know, and then we see Barb outside. She's sitting on the diving board. Um, we see a, a droplet of blood. Uh, Jonathan takes a picture. Blood falls on the water. And then all of a sudden, the lights in the pool start to flicker. And, and then Barb, well, Jonathan looks down at his camera because he has to like wind the camera. Remember those days? Um, oh, yeah. And then, um, so when the blood hits the water, the lights begin to, to flicker. The Barb hears a noise. She turns around. And then we see this giant mouth or something like wide open. And then all of a sudden, Barb's gone. And Jonathan yeah. looks up, like he hears a sound, like a scream or something, but it's like almost like it's faded. He doesn't see Barb anywhere, kind of like confused, but then he's like, whatever. And he just kind of turns and walks away. And that ends episode two of Stranger Things. Yeah, a really intense moment of like the Demogorgon who's apparently like a shark with blood in the water. Right. It... it it's a really great way to end the episode. Um, yeah, it's very and, smart. Yeah, um, but I mean, well, I guess there. I mean, I guess there's technically a little more. I mean, that's. I guess it doesn't really end the episode because we do see Jonathan and Nancy making out, and we it's progressing to you know Steve and Nancy. But then the lights come back on outside, and then the episode actually ends. But you know. Um, Bars, something's happened to her, like Will. It appears like something's taken her. Um, but this is like a really great, uh, I think another great episode, season one, episode two. Uh, it continues the really great first episode, uh, and the narrative momentum just keeps pushing forward. Like, one of the great things about Stranger Things is that, um, it feels like there, there's such urgency and energy to the storytelling all the time um it's not that often that things slow down a whole lot uh we do get a lot of character stuff but it still feels like the story they're trying to tell is they're still pushing that that forward constantly you know like if, it, if there's a momentary stop in the storytelling it's in service of character and then pushing forward right along keep going keep going because they have eight episodes to give what they need to be they don't have time to stop but it never feels like they're rushing for the sake of rushing it just feels like everything is balanced so well here whether it's character plot uh, music um, action, whatever it is, and it all comes together and works so synergistically. Um, I really everything love. Everything has its I moment it. in place. Say again. Yeah, everything has its moment in place. Yeah. Totally agree. Right. Um, again, the performances in this are pretty exceptional. Uh, the kids are all great, uh, as we've said before. Um, Millie Bobby Brown, particularly fantastic as, uh, as she was in episode one, but uh, I really like. Uh, Finn Wolfhard uh, with as Mike. I mean, all, all the kids are great, but I think those two in particular really, really nailed it. Uh, you know, um, I just think everyone did great. Uh, you had um, uh, what's his name? 
David Harbour yeah. as as Hopper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you st- things are starting to. You feel like things are starting to click a little bit for him. Yeah, there's a little bit of a turning of the tide just beginning to happen. Like something is going on. He knows there's something going on, but he's not at the point where things begin to maybe feel like a, a conspiracy of any kind. But she, he's starting to feel like there's something going on here. Uh, but you start getting the idea that Hopper in this episode and moving forward, he's not an idiot. You know, episode one, you kind of felt like, dude, maybe you're not that smart, but but as the series progresses, you realize that he actually is a pretty smart guy. Yes, very good instincts as a cop. Right. So then, uh, yeah, Winona Ryder, I think, does a, a really great job. I know for a lot of people, the, um, her her acting is divisive in this in this uh, series and Stranger Things because in season one, she's just constantly in frantic, like crazed mode all the time. But at, at the same time, I understand. Uh, she's a mom whose child is missing. What would you do? You would be just like her. So exactly. Sorry if that doesn't work for you. If it fills one note, but it, it's it's mostly because this is a mom who's frazzled and looking for her kid. There you go. Yeah. No. No kidding. Like, stop bitching. <laughs> right. Uh yeah. Gat Matanzaro, um, uh, Caleb McLaughlin, um, does Dustin. And uh, um, Lucas, actually, sorry, I, I think early in the episode, I think I called uh, Luca, Lucas Caleb. I do apologize um, because I, I think I see the the actor, and sometimes I I get confused between the actor's first name and the character's first name. Even though I've watched the mm-hmm. series so many times, I'm like, I look, I'm like, oh, Caleb. Oh no, wait, Lucas. Duh. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Dustin and Lucas, uh, great job there, of course. Um, and Charlie Heaton is uh, Jonathan. I, like the, everybody has such strong performances in this in this episode, it really does stand out particularly that that both the young actors and the adults all really were chosen very carefully here. Yeah, everyone does a phenomenal job in their acting, and in the roles that they play. I mean, they do them honor and do such great portrayals of you know what needs to be done it's fantastic work by everybody correct yeah yeah this is really great uh i love going back to watch stranger things um in preparation for season two um this is great we really couldn't have done it to get a better time because we've only got a couple of months to go before we're going to be watching new Stranger Things episodes. So uh, just expect a, a new episode, I think, every week from here on out until we're done. Um, yeah, so you know, next week we'll be doing uh, s- uh, Season 1, Episode 3, uh, Holly Jolly. Um, we'll be back <laughs> to recap that episode and to review it. So, uh, Sarah, and how can they send in feedback? Yeah, if you want to send us like your even your predictions about season two, we'll hold on to them till we finish season one. Uh, but any kind of feedback you want to talk about the episode, stuff we missed, anything like that, feel free to send it to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com or reach out to us at freakgeeksmedia uh, on Twitter. Um, also, if you want to hop on to iTunes, give us a rating review. 
deeply appreciated. Um, we love uh, getting those and getting to read them and gets us noticed a little bit more. Uh, also, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks. We got tons of perks and bonuses and great content on there. And you get the episodes early with it too. So yeah, feel free to check it out and subscribe. All right. All right, everyone. That looks like that's it for us. Uh, see you next week for yet another episode of uh, Stranger Things. Until then, have a good one, and we'll catch you later. Bye, geeks. <laughs>